So I was thinking back about how things have transpired in recent weeks, uh, at least in my life. You know, there were some things a month ago that began to shift because I had some international travel planned, was going to be able to see my kids on the way, and that shifted because the travel plans were in Asia and things were beginning to change there. But then I thought back to even this week on Monday, it seemed like it was a different place. <laughs> we gathered with our core, with anybody who calls us home that wanted to be a part of it, kind of a time of visioning. And, and literally we talked, very specifically giving an image of, of two kinds of ships. The first was a cruise ship and not intentionally because of what's going on right now, but the idea that we often view the church as this ship, we ask everybody to get aboard and enjoy the Lido deck and enjoy that. We kind of make it this holy huddle that's just about coming and being together. And we said, that's not God's design for the mission of the church. We're more like an aircraft carrier that we fuel up and we're deployed to go places no one to go else can go to reach people no one else can reach. That is the church. Now, little did I know by the weekend, we actually would be literally deploying you and not able to come together. <laughs> it was not a prophetic inclination or unction. It just was weirdly odd that it happened. As the week went on, Things changed every day, it seemed. I, I joked the fact that I sent you one letter on Thursday with one strategy and a new one on Friday. I was like, oh my goodness, is this a daily routine? I couldn't even keep up with all that changed over the week. And no, for many of you, it had to be dramatic. Now, at the same time, I'm very aware that we have differing degrees of how these changes have affected us. For some of you, it may not affect much at all. You may go about your work life. For some of you, the, the most significant thing you're gonna face is do we go away for spring break or not? And it will feel big. In fact, you may have a senior. You may have big plans. I know for some people, if they have had certain plans, they've already had to cancel, but that's the largest issue you're facing is how will this inconvenience us and what fun things might we lose out on? There are others among us that life's gonna be pretty jolting right now. It's weird, I was at a, a Griffins game uh, the night that we had the first announcement about getting into groups. I think at that point in time, they were asking for, just kind of asking us not to gather in larger groups. I'm looking around going, I just was told not to, I'm already here. But what hit me was I saw a bunch of people working in the stands and it reminded me, you know what? If these all shut down, they rely on this. I don't know what they're gonna do. And then by Friday, when it was announced that kids would be off school, I thought of families that they don't know where their kids are gonna go. They still have to work. They don't know how they're gonna feed them. You know, in Muskegon, two-thirds of our kids are on fully assisted meals. They're fully taken care of. And that's true in Coopersville. There's a high number. That's true in Grand Haven and Spring Lake and all of our surrounding areas. Many people that even just providing is a pretty big scare and heartache. I was at the bank on Saturday and the person I was talking to told me that they've had a lot of seniors come in and specifically ask if they should put other people on their accounts because they now are gonna be taking care of their grandchildren and they're fearful that something might happen to them and what else is there? Do you see the gamut I'm talking about? We have those overly frightened and many who are almost saying it doesn't affect me, what difference does it make? And so today as we enter in, I guess, as a church together, as we're deployed in our different areas, it seemed fitting for us to address this. So with that in mind, we're going to go to a very small excerpt from Jesus' interaction with his disciples on the very night he's going to be betrayed. 
We're gonna take it up in John's account. There are four accounts of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They beautifully provide different aspects of seeing and understanding. Think of it like a diamond, and each one you turn a different way and go, oh, there's another facet, there's another one. And John gives us a beautiful picture specifically of this last evening of Jesus having this long interaction, telling his closest friends and followers what matters most. I wanna give you a little background to where we're gonna be in the conversation. Because we begin in the 15th chapter of John and Jesus starts with really some great news things. He, He begins to tell them this beautiful picture, like guess what? I'm the vine and you are the branches. And he talks about remaining in him. This idea that staying connected into who he is will be the source of everything. He goes so far to say, apart from me, you can do nothing. But with me and in me, you're going to bear much fruit. In an agricultural society, he's basically saying, what your life accomplished will be undeniable and will also be eternal. It will matter. That's great news, isn't it? Well, then he suddenly turns the corner. You kind of feel like he goes from cheerleader to Debbie Downer. Like you just want to go wah, wah. Because basically at that point in time, he starts to talk about the hatred they'll experience and the struggle they'll experience towards them. In other words, it is great and it's difficult. And it goes back and forth like this. Oh, but guess what? I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. They don't even fully understand what he's even saying. We look back on it and think we do, but they're literally, he's going, I'm gonna go, but I'm gonna give you this advocate, this teacher, someone who's gonna guide you into all truth. And he says, that's my very spirit working in you. Oh, but by the way, at the same time, people are gonna go after you, even wanna kill you, and they're gonna even consider it holy as if they're doing God's will by taking you out. Do you hear the joy and the Debbie Downer at the same time? It is a mess of what he's sharing. And then he kind of finishes this excerpt by saying, listen, I'm gonna go away. I'm gonna die and you're gonna grieve. But I'm telling you, something amazing is gonna come out of it. And that's where we're gonna take it up. It's in John chapter 16. We're in verse 33. And we're really just looking at this one verse today. And then I wanna take some time to give you some thoughts and applications. But this seemed to me to be what we need to hear in the life of the church here in all of our communities around the world and also to be the people that are deployed to bring that hope to a world in need right now. He says this, I have told you these things, all this great stuff and all this difficult stuff so that in me, so that in me, so that in me, you may have peace. And make no mistake, one of the things we regularly talk about is the peace in the Bible is not the absence of difficulty at all, it's the presence of wholeness and right. In other words, there's a peace that transcends circumstance, but it's founded in him. Now that's gonna be very important. We're gonna come back to it, but I want you to just see it to begin with. And then he goes on. In this world, you will have trouble. (laughs) The good news that we all wanted to hear. In this world, you will have trouble. It's an interesting thing in our culture, particularly, I think, in where we live in West Michigan, where we live in the States. I think we have two things that we believe bring us happiness and also often attach them to Jesus as if to say, if I follow Jesus, these two things are guaranteed. And they are health and happiness. Now think of what's happened lately. 
We've watched the stock market plummet. We've watched people react like you can't believe. And by the way, this is a side note, but I am just curious, why toilet paper? Why in the world is that what we're running out of? Like, you'd think it's gold. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. Everything else is there. You get to this row, it's gone. I'm not sure what that says about us, but it's very concerning to me. It's a whole nother thing. Just thought I'd I'd mention that. No extra charge today. It's, It's a strange thing, though, to think about that you and I are experiencing trouble, oftentimes in what I would consider to be a shallow faith we've attached to Jesus. He's kind of our genie in a bottle. If I follow Jesus, I will be safe from any difficulty. And guess what? I'm going to be happy, wealthy, and wise. Cha-ching, bling, bling. That's how I think we often live. And I think we mistake it. Let me just give you one picture from the early church that is so profound to me. Two leaders are under duress as they're moving out and expressing the reality to the Jewish culture that Jesus has risen. They're still part of the Jewish culture. They're not trying to bring people to another way. They're saying Messiah came and it's Jesus. James and Peter both end up in the grasp of a monarch, of someone overseeing them, of a governor. James is killed. Did you know all the people of God were praying for him? And he was taken. They were also praying for Peter, and crazily, miraculous things happen. Supernaturally, there's an angelic visitation, the gates are open, and he's set free. Both circumstances happen. And it reminds me that we have this misnomer that if I live in him, I will not have trouble, and that is simply not true. You see, one of the things that happens at times like this is that we either lose or walk away from faith because it wasn't what we thought it would be, which is not true, or we lean in and discover more who Jesus is and what it means to be his people, deployed to every facet of life and every problem in life and every struggle in life. And it's always a big thing to me because I get asked this question regularly, if Jesus is so good, why does he allow this stuff to go on? And I never have an answer of why, but I always have the answer of what he does, which is he comes to be with us. He came as a baby, a poor, vulnerable, oppressed kid in an oppressed culture. What he says is not why, he says, I'm here. You see, in, your, in this world, you're gonna have trouble, but in me, you can have peace. And I love it, because he continues, take heart. Hey, take heart. This word in the Greek is most often translated courage, actually. You might say it's have courage. What he's saying is when you see the trouble going on around you, when you experience the trouble, when things don't make sense, have courage. Let your heart be enlarged. Take it, man. Let the heart grow. Let the passion grow. Because in me, you're gonna discover something you would never know if it were just healthy, wealthy, and wise. That's no way to settle. And then he continues for why we're to take heart and really gives us the peace we need to have. He says, I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. Hey, you're gonna have trouble in the world, but by the way, I've overcome it. This word overcome, uh, we most closely would connect it to one of our many uh, clothing and shoe companies, Nike. 
It's literally Nikeo. It is the word that means victory. It means I'm going to win. I did win. I will win. And it centers us on what it is that we have that health won't help us through, that wealth won't help us through, that even our temporary happiness won't help us with, because those are all not going to last and can't be sustained. What he brings is through his life and his death and his resurrection, he brings forgiveness, he brings restoration of connection, and he brings resurrection, which by the way means new life now in trouble and out of trouble, and it means new life forever. Now we'll come back to that, but I wanted you to just be reminded of this today And here, before we go on and get into kind of some of the thoughts and outplays of this, I want to kind of speak to two different groups. They're polarized a bit, but I think maybe it's representative. You might be somewhere in between. You know, I know there's some of us that we don't think anything of what's going on. Like I said, we feel a bit impenetrated by it. And I want us to awaken that Jesus says there will be trouble, that if you've built your life thinking that you can insulate yourself from anything dangerous or difficult, what you're not living is life. You're living a protectionistic, scared, sacred kind of bubble. And I want to awaken some of us to that, even if it's outside of you to be aware for others. And then there's others of us who I think are just overwhelmed and distressed and fearful. And what we are as the church is we get to remind you, guess what? In this world, you're going to have trouble. But in him... You can have peace. Take heart. Because guess what? Jesus has overcome whatever happens and whatever will happen. He is bigger than what we're dealing with today. Now, before I move into the things that I believe God would have for us today as kind of points of application, anchors to hold to, I want to give one more caution or challenge maybe. As we were going through this this week, I was reminded of 2001 with 9-11 when it happened. And uh, we had a dramatic uptick in people's need to be in church when that all happened. In fact, I happened to be teaching a class in between services on Revelation at that time. The attendance doubled after that happened. We went from 50 to over 100 people because everybody needed to know if the end's coming, am I okay? Now, you know what happened as things settled back down? People eased right back into the way they lived before. And I think what I want to offer us is an opportunity to say, God, what might you be resetting in us in the midst of all that's going on? I'm not saying God's creating or causing this at all. I'm simply saying God's offering a unique opportunity in this. That I want us to move beyond the day to perhaps a new day and a new gateway and a new change. So with that in mind, let me offer kind of three areas to consider. The first is simply this, where you live with fear or anxiety, I want you to be reminded that in him, we have peace. That there is something unique about Jesus that we can experience in the midst of fear. You know, I was was remembering as a kid, uh, and I've told this story before, but I I got, happened to see one episode of Dark Shadows, which was an old soap opera about vampires. And after that, I was really scared vampires were real. So I slept with a golf club and a cross at night. The golf club was in case they came in, I'd smack them. And the cross, I hate to say, was my backup. I'd go to faith, but I figured first I'll hit them. If that doesn't work, maybe the cross will get them. Um, And it was interesting. I, I look back at my mom's wisdom, and she got me memorizing the first 
Bible passage I ever did, which was Psalm 91. We live within the shadow of the Almighty God, sheltered, sheltered by the God who's above all gods. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety, my God. I trust in him. And, and you need to know when it says we're, we're in his shadow, the image is from this wilderness, this hot heat, that him being our shadow gives us rest, gives us quiet in the midst of the turmoil. It speaks of him covering you with his wings and keeping you your feet steady along a path. There's this beautiful place of being reminded Jesus himself is our refuge. He's where we go. Uh, this week, as I was kind of getting overwhelmed with all that we're dealing with right now, I was, uh, I was just working out at home. One of the things you're starting to ask is, can I even go somewhere to work out? Should I work out at home? So I decided to work out at home that day. Uh, I can't promise I won't do something stupid the next day, but... Um, so I'm working out and I'm listening to some worship music, uh, which I do a lot of different things, but this old song came on, Hail to the King, which is an old vineyard song. I was going back to some of my vineyard roots and uh, I found myself weeping while I was riding because it was as if God just reached down into my anxiety and went, listen, I'm king. There's nothing, nothing that will touch this. You gotta just rest in me and find me. And I'm telling you, there is an exploration of Jesus we're to have in this time that I don't think is just for this time, but maybe he's inviting us to quit relying on so many other things. In case you don't know, we all have refuges. Every one of us, when we're scared, when we're fearful, when we're anxious, when we're overwhelmed, when we don't know what to do, we find a refuge. We can escape into our binging on Netflix. We can escape into different kinds of ways we medicate our own lives. We can even escape into activity, good, bad, and ugly. Even in what we do in church as a substitute for learning to be in him. In him, there's peace. In him is our refuge. In him is the center of life. Jesus is not a means to the end. He is the source, the means, and the end. You realize everything we're deployed to do is to bring back to him. People, people are our life. And what we would do is we wanna help them know what we do and who we do. I just start simply with this part. If you're in fear today, in him we have peace. And there's an exploration for you in this that I think God is calling us. A time of discovery, getting to know Jesus more. And we're gonna offer you some helps even in that before we finish. The next thing, these two words just kept coming to me through both interactions with people and in kind of the circumstances we're in, and they were the words wisdom and love. And I want to speak to it this way, uh, in that I, I think they, they're two simple questions you can ask right now with what you're doing. Because I want you to think about all the constraints that are being put on us and all the circumstances we're in. And just if you ask the question, is what I'm doing wise, is this wise, I think it will help you right now because when we think about living in the way of Jesus, we want to follow him and we want to do what's wise, not just for ourselves, but for all those around us. So let me just use this as an example. In the Proverbs, it says, the wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. Now, there are a couple of things you should know about this context. This actually speaks of the wisdom of women. It's a, plural, a plurality or the wisest of women. It also doesn't meant to be women versus men. It's this beauty of those who care for the community. In other words, we think of it individually. Oh, I need to do what's wise for me and my home. 
in the culture with which God gave Israel, it was us and our home. It was those around us. In other words, what we want to ask very simply is what we're doing helping those around us, not just me. And by the way, when it doesn't, you don't think it affects you, but it tears down our house, our community, our lives. So I want to speak to that very specifically as it relates to what we do right now with some of the limits that have been placed on us. So we all know most of us are watching from home because we've been told we shouldn't be out together. And I don't know that we've considered why that is. Or have you had this where you go, yeah, I think they're exaggerating it right now. It's not going to affect me. It's not really going to affect those around me. I think they're wrong on it. It's been interesting even just to be out at all. And I think if you're like me, it almost feels like what we have are a bunch of snow days right now. Only we've added snow church to it. So everything else is off. But guess what? You can do anything any way you want to. And it really has no bearing. I, I just am cr- watching with kind of interest and even self-evaluation. What does this mean? Is it wise? Am I building up the house or am I tearing it down? So I want you to consider this. Everything that's being pushed at us to separate and be a little more isolating relates to those that are most at risk and most vulnerable. You see, what we're being told is you need to separate out, not because you necessarily are at risk, but because the vulnerable are. And if you don't, it can affect all of us. So, so here's just a, a picture. You've probably seen it before. And, and for those of you who care, I did make sure it was from Michigan medical school. I knew, I almost had a a big cheer on here for that one, Um, but I know you're cheering at home. So I want you to understand this. What, What we've been told is if we don't mitigate these things by separating and keeping us from being together where the most vulnerable can be affected, the, the virus we have can escalate quicker. And this is how much, how many of the hospitals can treat. And what happens, and this happened in other countries, is it goes beyond it and it creates a much more of a crisis. If they can slow it down and even limit it, it makes everything much safer. Which builds our house better? And I would tell you, it's the one that we take caution in what we do. We, we literally, we'll be sitting as a team tomorrow asking questions again about what we need to, again, modify so that we best are wise in what we do. And I thought what I want you to consider when you're doing things like isolating is ask the question, is it wise for those most in need, not does it help me? Because I'm, I'm concerned we isolate this way. I will isolate because it helps me. And then what I go and do, I do because it helps me. Some of you are gonna wrestle with whether or not to travel in about three weeks. I don't have the answer for that. But you should be asking, is it wise? Is it wise to do this for all those around me? Am I helping to build the house or tear it down? It's a simple question. We're gonna be asking a lot of these as a leadership because we're trying to care for lots of people in lots of circumstances and we're trying to ask what best serves them and helps them. Is it wise? Let me take you to the other part because I said wisdom and love. Is it loving is the other question we have to ask And here, I love this. This is actually from the same set of teachings Jesus does. He says, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. It's a weird paradox (laughs) in, in this way. When you're asking, is it wise? You're saying, what do I do to isolate to protect others? When you're asking, is it loving? You're saying, where would I step out at my own risk to help others? Now, in case you don't know, 
Times like this are the times the church over history has risen. If you look at plagues, pandemics, all sorts of other things that have happened over all of the history since Jesus' resurrection, you will find that the church primarily brought three major things in each circumstance. One was that, especially in the early history, people viewed anything plague-like or pandemic-like as being there were lots of angry gods and they were getting them. And guess what the church brought in? They brought in this view that, guess what? God is loving. He is not coming in to destroy you. So they brought this new perspective of God. Now, they also brought a perspective because death happened. And I, I don't want to be an alarmist, but we will experience loss in the midst of this. I don't know how closely, but even if it's not us, our friends will. And we will have it touch us. And, oh, man, my heart breaks if we don't care just because it doesn't touch us. By the way, it's one of the things I see most missing in the church today is empathy. We have moved from compassion and care, not just for the church community, but for the world to self-protection. And if it doesn't affect me, it's not my problem. And that is heartbreaking. So let me say again, the, the second thing is that what they brought was in the midst of death, they brought an understanding that people didn't have, which was because Jesus' resurrection, death is not the end. <laughs> I don't know if you realize this. When he says, I've overcome the world, he doesn't just mean life gets better. He means life just keeps going. Following him offers life beyond death. Death is no longer the end. And I'm telling you, we need that hope. And that is the anchor of our faith. It doesn't mean it doesn't matter now. It means that now is just a stepping stone to forever. And what we bring to the world is we know that even in the bleakest of circumstances and even where death comes, it does not have to be the end. That changes how we view things. And it led the church to the third thing, which I think is the most significant. The church, the church began to step out and love and care for people in times no one was supposed to go near them. We sacrificed Sometimes at the life expect, sometimes at financial sacrifice, sometimes at circumstances. Make no mistake, I don't know at what level, but God will call us to sacrifice. It could be as simple as financial sacrifice. It could be caring for those in need and going into a place that you go, well, I'm not supposed to go there. Well, you know what? They need to be taken care of. We're going to go there anyway. I don't even know what it is yet. We're so early in this. And I'll be honest, I've been so encouraged with each of the communities we're in watching how they're already caring for the things we know are gonna be significant, which we know that food, particularly for people that are under-resourced, and think of all the kids that have it through school are gonna need food for these weeks that are suddenly off. We know that caring for the kids' needs because some parents will still have to go to work. We don't know what they're gonna do. And then we know the elderly particularly are vulnerable. Everything we're doing right now, we didn't just stop and go, what do we do with services? We've been going, what are we going to do in each of these communities? We have great things going on in Coopersville. Dave, our campus pastor, was out there cheering on and being a part of those meetings, working out how we're gonna help people that are in difficulty. We're actually gonna be meeting as a part of the Grand Haven schools on Monday. Spring Lake has already begun to do this to look at how these two places are working. And one of our leaders, Amy's been working just to find out, is there any way we can even license our own facility right now just to have a place where kids can go. We don't even know if we can do it, but we're going to try and find out. And then in Muskegon, I don't know if you even read what's going on, but they've actually worked out a thing. Two-thirds of the kids in the school system have either all assisted or partial. They're going by buses to their stops and scheduling it to set them out. That's brilliant. But guess what? There's going to be more needed. 
There will be times and there could be that we go, you know what? I know they said to isolate. That's the wise thing to do. And that's what we do to protect. But if it's at the expense of helping them, we're going to be loving. And I'm not saying all of you should do it. I'm saying some of us should though. Great questions to ask. Is it wise? Is it loving? And let me lead us to the last one. And this probably has been the most impacting to me personally, at least to consider and challenge us on. Kairos, there's two words in the Greek for time, chronos and kairos. Chronos just means time. Kairos means it's an appointed time. In other words, it's special. And I believe right now is a special time. And the reason I believe it is that everything we have preoccupied ourselves with has been taken from us. You know that all in our culture talk about their overbusy, overburdened, overrunning lives. And all of a sudden, everything you do is gone. You might even be in shock right now thinking, I don't know what to do. I love this. Pete Scazzaro, a pastor in New York City, says this that I think is profound. He says, limits are often simply God's gifts in disguise. This makes them one of the most counterintuitive truths in scripture to embrace. It flies in the face of our tendency to play God and to run the world. In other words, very simply, did you consider that us having everything stripped away is an opportunity? And I believe it is. And so all I want to do to finish out our, this part of the time, this teaching, and I, I knew I had more to say today, so I know it's long, but I got a lot to say. You're just going to have to go with it today. I want us to consider about how we make the most of this kairos because this is an opportunity to reset. And make no mistake, if you don't, you'll fill it with something else. You'll just find new distractions. Oh, it's time for me to overdo my binge watching on Netflix. I haven't seen that show eight times. I think we'll go for nine. Oh, here's one I haven't seen. Oh, I think I'll rewatch all the March Madness from years ago because that's what they're doing, by the way, right now. Since we can't watch it, they'll replay it. I will tell you, if you get a pool together, you'll probably win. Here's what I want to tell you you can do. You know what? You can actually slow down and seek to live more in him. I actually want you to be bored because I think boredom will bring an opportunity for his presence. I think God's doing something, and I'm going to talk at the end about how we're going to try to help you with this. The second is I think you should be spending time wisely building your own house. I'll tell you, for those of you who are in families right now and you have more time with your kids, you should be sitting at the dinner table actually asking questions and talking. You know, in the Jewish culture, they called the table the Mikdash Miat. Mikdash was the temple of the synagogue, and Miat meant at home. And it was the idea, it very simply was, when they couldn't get near a synagogue, synagogue was at home. Guess what? We are in the very same place right now. Parents, maybe you should ask your kids what they actually think about faith. Maybe you should be honest about your own and your doubts and questions because oftentimes what we do is we go, hey, ask the church, ask the, someone else, and we don't consider our own faith because we can't give away what we don't have. Maybe it's just asking your kids how they're doing. How's life going right now? What's difficult? What's good? It's actually inviting conversation. And by the way, don't invite conversation that you need to hear. You need to tell me you're good with faith. Maybe they're not. And what you need to hear is where they really are and what they're struggling with. Maybe that'll happen in your houses. Maybe you just pray for them and the struggles they're having. And for those of you who are single, I mean, this is a unique place for you to discover God in unique ways, but it might also be a place to start asking, how do I as a single person find some sense of community and connection even in the midst of this? Because the last thing we want to do is isolate you more because in West Michigan, being single is not a badge of honor, sadly. 
What does it mean to put our houses in order and start building into them? We want you to serve others out of love. Uh, We have stuff online already to tell you places you can go and ways you can get uh, food items are going to be huge right now. Uh, Toilet paper included, sadly, right now, too. Um, And we want to help you to help others. But we will, and this is part of why we're going to ask you how we can communicate you with you, give you things that we're going to know and be able to coordinate and encourage you towards in the days and weeks ahead. So we want you to get connected so we can do that. We want you to have the posture of how can I love others right now. And then we're just going to simply ask for you to be the church in new ways. Every day is new for us. I, I spent a good part of yesterday just looking on my parameters on my Zoom account to ask how I might be able to do things as simple as a webinar because I want to be able to have times of prayer. And I think we can do that over a webinar. I think I want to have times, and I don't know how long this is going to work out, so I'm not overcommitting yet, but I want to be able to help you with how you might even expend time alone with God that we just guide you through it online. So you have some help and you're not alone figuring it out. We actually teach a little bit, let you do it, come back and talk about it. Imagine how we could make use of things like that right now. It's one thing to say, let's pray for the church. It's another to go, guess what? At six o'clock, we'll have a webinar. Jump on. We're gonna pray for the church. Beauty is you don't even have to fear you're gonna sit in a group and be stuck talking. You're online, you're so incredibly anonymous, you're even safe. We think too there might be micro ways that we engage even in the services in the days and weeks ahead. All right, let me just kind of give you a couple of pictures of where you can go right now and then I wanna close us up and we wanna close with some worship. I want you to be in the know on our front page right here on our website. If you scroll down, it'll say be in the know. You put your name and email and you send it to us. This is gonna get us connected so because we're gonna be communicating a lot more this way right now. We also want you to sign up for Right Now Media, which was mentioned earlier. All you'll do is push that button that says sign up. You'll have to fill out some stuff. The next thing you know, I think you make a username and password, you'll be accessing it. And we will actually work to give you what we think are some of the better resources for right now in the days ahead as well. Two simple steps to take right now that move us beyond watching online to being the deployed church that God has called us to be. I wanna just remind us of this again. Fear not, in him we have peace. (laughs) You need to ask, is it wise and is it loving? When you're thinking about whether you go out when you're told not to, is it wise? When you're thinking, I don't wanna risk anything to stay home, is it loving? Just great questions. I don't wanna have to sacrifice, is it loving? I don't wanna have to pay a price, is it loving? Because we're gonna be called in different ways to do this right now. And then finally, we want you to make the most of the kairos in front of us right now. We think there's something powerful in this pause button that we don't wanna miss capturing. And we're gonna do everything we can to help you, but it still will be in your court what steps you take. Now, I'm gonna pray in a minute. Uh, I know in Coopersville, Muskegon, they'll close out in worship. Our team's gonna make their way back up here because we're going to have a a song that we close in a way to exclaim and be reminded normally at this time we celebrate communion which obviously we can't hear and we've determined we shouldn't even in a a congregant at this time congregational time but here's the beauty we are the community of faith with or without the elements so when we're together wherever we do and whatever we are that's where God will move And I want to remind you the community is who's called to rise up at this time, not in fear, 
but in power. We're going to be asking, is it wise? Is it loving? And we're going to be making the most of what this means. Let me pray for us. Lord, I ask in this time together that you'd meet us. God, I am asking that you would do something that only you can do. I pray where we're fearful that the peace of Christ would just engulf us that the pursuit of Jesus would become our pursuit, that we will look at life differently right now, that we will be your deployed church in ways we've never expected and something beautiful will rise up out of something miserable. And Lord, we're praying that we will be the people of love and sacrifice that bring calm, bring hope, and bring help to those in need. God, move among us in your holy name and seal it as we close in worship in your name. Amen.